add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare Looking after you always Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, as winter and the dark nights close in and we prepare for six weeks of level five lockdown, I thought this is an ideal time to find out how we can improve our immunity and increase our vitamin D levels or the sunshine vitamin as we spend more and more time indoors. Helena Scali is a registered nutritionist and the first author of a five-year study from Trinity College and St. James's Hospital that has looked into vitamin D deficiencies in Irish people. And I'm delighted to say she joins me now. Helena, welcome to Real Health. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on. I'm really interested in this. I read more and more about vitamin D all the time. And obviously Ireland wouldn't be the sunniest country in the world. We're heading into winter. The clocks are going back and we're going to get less and less light over the course of the next couple of months. So first of all, give me some background into the study. What was it about? And, you know, where did, where did the idea come from? So um, the study started about a year and a half ago. So I came onto the project and I was tasked with basically getting a of vitamin D levels in Dublin. So we did that by assessing the vitamin D uh, blood tests that come into the St. James's department, uh, biochemistry department from GPs around the country. So it was my job to basically have a look at all this data and kind of figure out what was going on in terms of who is deficient, you know, what are their age groups, kind of what are the defining features about these people who may be deficient or those who are more sufficient. So it's basically just to try and see what is happening in Dublin and the surrounding areas. Okay, cool. And tell us, what what does vitamin D actually do? So the study is based on the uh, vitamin D blood results that come into St. James's biochemistry department. So I came onto the project about a year and a half ago. Um, I was hired to have a look at the vitamin D levels and basically do an analysis to see who is deficient and why. Because, you know, we're finding more and more about, out about vitamin D. Um, we know, obviously, that it's really important for your bone and muscle health. But in the last few years, kind of other areas of interest, such as, you know, cardiovascular disease, diabetes and immunity um, have kind of been raised in terms of being associated with vitamin D. So it's really uh, it was a good idea to have a look and see what the health is of the population in, in respect to vitamin D. And obviously with COVID cases on the rise, I couldn't not ask the question around COVID and vitamin D. Is there anything in terms of research or in terms of signs that it's, you know, that it's important that it might be beneficial to have better vitamin D levels? Yes. So we, we currently do know that vitamin D is associated with immune health. So it's involved in kind of upregulation of the immune system and it also has anti-inflammatory effects. And then taken together, this has been looked at in respect of, say, um, you know, respiratory conditions, respiratory infections and asthma. And vitamin D has been associated with improved outcomes in these kind of conditions. So it does make sense that vitamin D would be associated with, say, a disease or, you know, conditions such as COVID or, um, you know, um, all that's involved with that. So there is kind of basis in physiology as how this would make sense that vitamin D is having 
having an effect on COVID infection. But unfortunately, obviously, because COVID is such a new thing that's come about and, you know, kind of the research is kind of trying to catch up and see, you know, is this actually directly involved with COVID? Um, as it stands, we don't know for certain, but we do know that it is implicated in other conditions like respiratory infections and asthma and things. So it would make sense, basically. One of the really interesting aspects of the report was, depending on your postcode, your vitamin D levels are very, very different and they're varied. And I'm really interested to find out whereabouts in Dublin have better vitamin D levels, but also why that is. Yeah, so we were quite surprised. Um, So we analysed all the data by postcodes just to kind of get an idea of, like I say, who is deficient. And we found that those... Even in uh, kind of areas that are quite close together, say, for example, like Dublin 2 and Dublin 4, we found hugely different levels of deficiency. So that can be from another reason, number of reasons, because unfortunately, health is, you know, multi uh, systemic and cat coming in here, uh, multi uh, <laughs> factorial. We're just going to chill here. Um, but basically it's also associated with socioeconomic factors so the the more kind of money that you have the more likely that you are to have a more higher quality diet so you're more likely to get things like farm salmon into into your diet and oily fish but then also you may be more likely to go on holidays you know to sunnier climes and there you know if you're sunbathing you're going to get more vitamin d that way and then also there's other things like you know uh, um, those who are lower socioeconomic class are more likely to be doing things like shift work or night duty and things like this and this just means that it lowers the opportunity for these individuals to get out into the sun and to get sufficient levels of vitamin D. So we think kind of socioeconomic is having a huge effect on kind of uh, the difference between postcodes in particular. Okay. And another big variant is age. Different ages have different levels. And talk us through that. Yeah, so this is actually one of the most surprising things that we found in the study is that the youngest in the group, uh, sorry, in the study, so the 18 to 39 category, were actually the most deficient. So this was very surprising to us because, you know, even I myself am in this category and I didn't realise how bad the status of, you know, individuals like me is. So we were kind of thinking of reasons why this may be. So basically, um, younger individuals are obviously more likely to be in full-time work and shift shift work um, as well so this is probably preventing opportunities for getting vitamin d and then also we know that say things like um from the last nutrition survey that was done it's almost 10 years ago now but from the last nutrition survey we know that meat and meat products is kind of one of the highest contributors to vitamin d in the diet and we're thinking potentially that um you know there's been such an increase in you know vegetarianism and veganism and just kind of you know moving away from the more traditional irish diet we think that potentially this is having an effect on vitamin d levels because if you're not getting you say your meat products and your your fish and then maybe your dairy products then you're more likely to be getting a vitamin d deficiency as a result Okay, wow. Um, Why are men more at risk in terms of vitamin D deficiencies, do you think? So it's probably due to the fact that men are less likely to have health-seeking behaviours. So this means like, you know, they're less likely to go to the GP if there's something wrong. You know, they're probably less likely to go to the GP and ask for a vitamin D uh, test in their first place. But because of that, and then also the fact that women are more likely to be aware of their bone health. So, you know, osteoporosis is really common in women. And there's obviously a big push for 
prevention of this in women, but there isn't as much of a focus on men. So we think that because, say, because women are more likely to go to the GP, say, ask for their vitamin D, and also more likely to be aware of their health and their bone health, this is kind of having an effect where women have a much better status. And just unfortunately, maybe men aren't putting the, the time or thought into you know, their bones and vitamin D, basically. And what would be the signs for vitamin D deficiency? And obviously this year, more than most people really won't have been away. I know myself, I would have been maybe a once on holiday, if, you know, if it's a really good year, possibly too, a, se- a second shorter break. Yeah. I haven't had that this year. People who are listening and probably won't have had it either. Are there any signs of a deficiency people should look out for? Well, because vitamin D is what's called a fat soluble vitamin, you can't vitamin, you can store it in your body. So it you can build up your stores over time and then as a result kind of your stores deplete over time so it isn't kind of a very quick acting deficiency so once if you don't have vitamin d sources for a long period of time you may become deficient and then get symptoms such as you know bone and muscle aches or fatigue and just kind of muscle weakness and things like this so these are kind of some of the low grade things that you might see and um, but in the long term you, if these things aren't corrected then you're going to end up with say softening of the bones so that's osteomalacia in adults um, or rickets in children and then over time that can result in an increased risk of getting fractures and falls later on so um, it's kind of a it's, it's a slow degrade but it's still there nonetheless so something for you know people to be aware of particularly if they're not getting out in the sun or not getting those good sources of vitamin d okay so fatigue is a big one and slow recovery is obviously another one so if people are having those symptoms it may be to do with the stress of covid it may be just to do with general stress but always chat with your gp and maybe ask them for a blood test and certain to see if you are deficient in it and let's chat about the sources of it then so in terms of how people can get more of it so one is obviously physical movement outside whether it's sunny or whether it's a day like today or it's slightly overcast but presumably there's still light uh, so presumably getting outside is a, is a great way to get it. But what are the other sources of it? Well, actually, that's a great point, because um, now we're, that we're in the middle of October, coming towards the end of October, you're actually not going to get any vitamin D from the sun whatsoever. So between now and Paddy's Day, between March, you're not making any vitamin D from the sun whatsoever. So that's a huge kind of misconception that people are thinking like, oh, I'm getting out in the winter sun and, you know, I'm getting on my walks. I'll be fine. But in fact, you're not getting any vitamin D at all. So that's just one thing to consider. And in particular now this year, um, it's even more important to consider because, um, you know, as you say, not getting away as much. Maybe people have been locked down and, and cocooning. So they haven't more than likely got the same opportunity to get out into the sun. So you're going to be kind of more deficient this year as it stands. So because of that, it really is important to focus on getting your vitamin D from other sources. So you're talking about through your diet and through supplements as well. So the the highest uh, sources of vitamin D in our diet is oily fish. So things like your um, your salmon, your mackerel, your rainbow trout, all these things are going to have high levels of vitamin D and in particular actually the wild uh, varieties have higher vitamin D than the farmed varieties so that's just something to note but you can also get it from you know your fortified products so you know you're going to get it through um, you know super milk has it fortified their their milk and then there's also you know cereals and um, that have been fortified with vitamin D so those are, are kind of the, the things that you should be focusing on more so and then um, you know if you are you know vegan or vegetarian there's going to 
been actually more difficult to get those sources of vitamin D in. So maybe look for mushrooms that have been ripened in the sun. So mushrooms are basically one of our only sources of like you know fruit and veg that has uh, vitamin D in it. So even if you have you know regular mushrooms and you leave them out in your windowsill in the summer uh, for a few hours, they will actually make vitamin D themselves. So even just your run of the mill mushrooms, you stick them out in the sun, give them a bit of a sun base, and they will produce vitamin D for you. But overall, it's just about focusing on getting those sources into your diet. And then if you're not really comfortable, you know, if you don't eat a lot of fish, if you don't eat a lot of dairy or fortified foods or anything like that, then it's about making up these backup plans and getting it in in the form of supplementation. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. And let's chat about the amount of vitamin D then. So I know, you know, a lot of the times with advice for, from a dietitian or from a nutritionist, there's a port, you know, there's like, you know, your five or seven fruit and veg a day. There's a, a kind of a specific, you should have X amount. So let's bring that back to vitamin D. Yeah. What are, what's the recommended amount and how can we A, see that in food and B, if we need to get a supplement, how much should we be taking? Yes. Yeah, so basically everyone over the age of five should be aiming to get about 10 micrograms or 400 international units of vitamin D a day at a minimum. So if you're in an at-risk category, you know, if you're if you're older and you're cocooning, it's more important to get more vitamin D. So those would aim to get, should aim to get about 20 to 25 or 800 to 1,000 international units of vitamin D a day. And then other at-risk groups include, you know, those uh, individuals who maybe have their skin covered all the time from religious dress, those who have darker skin pigmentation, those who have malabsorption conditions, you know, all of these people should consider taking a higher dose of vitamin D just to make sure that they're maintaining their levels. Okay, great. Now, Pete, I'm going to pick your brains now, a question from my end of it. So I run a huge amount. I'm trying, I have a marathon coming up in about three weeks time within my 5k radius, obviously. Should I be taking extra vitamin D in terms of recovery? So I drink milk. I've got, I take meat in my diet. I actually love mushrooms. I've got plenty of mushrooms in my diet. Uh, But should I be taking extra to help my recovery? Um, well, I wouldn't say in particular that uh, you know, I'm not doing 100% on the research myself for in particular focusing on recovery, but we know that it is good for your bones and muscles and for maintaining your strength and endurance. So I think it would be prudent to make sure to get 10 micrograms of vitamin D a day on top of your daily you know, diet and things like that, just so you can, can be guaranteeing that you're, you're getting it in. And that means because you are, you know, maybe placing increased stress on your body in terms of you know running a marathon it's a it's a big undertaking and you know your body is going to be in demand of um increased nutrients so it probably would be beneficial just to take a supplement in addition to your you know daily diet as well just to confirm it okay great um the nordic countries i'm fascinated what how they get enough of it in because they're they get so much less light than we would get over the course of the year uh do they have more fish in their diet oily fish presumably or you know in terms of vitamin d levels for them how do they get around that well it's funny you should mention that because finland is actually one of the kind of poster uh, board uh, countries for vitamin d deficiency because previously it would have been found that those in finland you know as you say in the normal northern hemisphere and like ourselves they're at a much increased risk of vitamin d deficiency so in finland they actually um, introduced a mandatory fortification of their foods and they were able to reduce that deficiency down to I think about two or three percent in their population so when you can compare to ours when you're looking at maybe you know 
from our study anyway, we found about approximately 50% of individuals with insufficient vitamin D. You know, you're talking like that's a massive number of people that could potentially um, improve their vitamin D status if it was, if it was mandatory. mandatory. Um, but, you know, just kind of putting out the recommendations I, um, out there of, you know, telling people to get their supplements in and make sure to be focusing on, on their diet, I think is the first step anyway. And should that be something on a government level we look at here in terms of mandatory fortification of certain foods so that all socioeconomic groups, you know, on the basic foods such as maybe milk or breads or stuff like that are fortified so that we all get plenty of vitamin D that way? Well, yes. Well, that is, you know, the debate that's going on at the moment. You know, um, you see, the thing is that if you put in, uh, implement something like a mandatory fortification, you're kind of just having a blanket approach to the population and it doesn't really take into consideration maybe the individuals at the uh, upper end of the scale who may already have a high amount of vitamin D in the diet and you see as I mentioned vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin which means it does build up over time which means you can build up levels where it becomes toxic so this means that you know you can have uh, consequences of over supplementation so uh, increased uh, calcium and even renal stones are some of the the disadvantages of a high vitamin D level. So you can't, unfortunately, um, you know, deciding at what level to supplement the population is a matter of intense debate because you want to have enough to keep the majority of the population um, adequate or sufficient without putting those individuals at increased risk, um, you know, having uh, ill effects for those individuals um, on, the, on the flip side of things, basically. Okay, and I want to pull it back to the winter now. So we're facing into a tough winter. Uh, winter is hard at the best of times, especially this year for people. Immunity yes. is going to be more important than ever before. So we know getting more vitamin D is going to help to boost your immunity. What else can people do for their immunity than to improve it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I am a vitamin D uh, researcher, not an immune researcher myself. But I think, you know, doing all you all the kind of following the public health advice you know things like making sure to have a healthy diet you know getting those sources of vitamin d in your diet you know making sure to have a focus on those is important and things like you know not smoking maintaining a healthy weight you know these are the main things that you can do to help improve your immune system and um I'm not going to talk about vitamin C and all those other things that are, are linked to immunity, but kind of maintaining a good and healthy full diet, you know, getting out into uh, the air for, you know, getting out for a walk or getting out and exercise for at least half an hour a day. You know, you may not be getting your vitamin D from the sun, but obviously, as you know yourself, that has other effects for your mental health as well. So it's about kind of maintaining an overall uh, healthy uh, system, basically. Let's chat about, I suppose, vitamin D and the research that you're doing and the future. How does that look in terms of with the study that you've done? What's the plan going forward? So for our next study, what we would like to look at is, so so for the first study, we're basically finding out how many um, were deficient. And so for the next study, we're trying to find out why. So um, I have a, uh, it's, it's basically a study that's going to be a, a questionnaire study where we're going to follow up individuals who had their vitamin D done in uh, St. James's and follow up with a questionnaire. And this questionnaire will ask things like, you know, why did you get your vitamin D tested, you know, about pre-existing conditions? And then also questions about their diet um, in terms of vitamin D and calcium intake and then other you know, risk factors. So hopefully we'll be able to tease out, you know, not only like 
who is deficient, but also the why. And then we've also another number of collaborations with other research groups um, kind of ongoing just to look at specific areas of population in terms of ethnic groups and things like that. And then we're also hoping to kind of have a look at, um, you know, vitamin D and COVID and just have a a bit of a look at that. But um, yeah, I'm quite lucky. There's a lot of data for me to look at. Um, I'm currently doing my PhD on it. So I'm going to be busy over the next year or two with this. Um, But yes, there's a a lot of research in the area of vitamin D, which is is great. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted to kind of be contributing to it. Okay. And finally, should people be going to their GPs, getting a blood test, maybe once every 12 months or something like that, checking for, again, levels in terms of vitamins and things like that? Is that an important thing to do? Because in case they don't pick up the fact that they may be deficient in vitamin D. Well, not necessarily. So if you are, you know, if you're healthy overall and that you're taking your vitamin D supplement to 10 micrograms a day, there's no real cause for you, for you to go to your GP. But if you are experiencing, say, some of the deficiency symptoms, like I mentioned, or if you're in an at-risk group, like so the malabsorption, those who are cocooning, those are darker skin type, um, those who don't get out in the sun, very often, you know, the classic sun avoiders, um, those individuals, you know, if they're experiencing um, any symptoms and are obviously in this category then it is something to talk about to your GP about but it's not just a blanket case of that everyone should go to their GP and everyone should get their vitamin D tested because you know it's just not necessary really you know it's only if you're in that at-risk group or if you're feeling kind of um, the ill effects should you investigate it. Fantastic Helena Scally thank you so much for joining us on today's episode when you have your next study done do come back to us and tell us the results and we'll hook up for another chat it's fascinating stuff Really interesting to learn about and really good content for people to know about. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Light Healthcare. Interesting topic. First time that we've gone there, some really good tips around vitamin D that you really need to get enough into your diet. So make sure that you do that over the course of the next week or so. Folks, as ever, you know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram, realhealthatindependent.ie. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.